Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Patrick, I'm your legacy newbie, and with me this week as always, Mr. Jerry, me, what's up, Jerry? Wow, Pat, are you tired? That was the flattest excuse of an intro I've ever heard from your sorry ass. <laughs> it was hot today, man. I work outside, you know, it was hot. It was hot. It was hot. How, how is slaving away at the solar farms? It's been awesome, honestly. It was, today was awesome. I have no complaints, really. It was, it was warm, but whatever. I love my job. I love the people I work with, so it's been awesome. Wow. I'm getting paid good money, so I can't complain. I'm building stuff. Like, what more do you want, man? It's great. I'm happy for you. I'm so Thanks, glad buddy. you're living a fulfilling life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But it was hot as balls, so <laughs> yeah. We're still recovering. Still recovering. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, we have an awesome guest this week, Pat. We do. I have to. Tra- I have to just figure out how to uh, like multiply 100 degrees Fahrenheit into Celsius, so he'd understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> I the timings was the worst because uh, it's like what two in the morning for you right now something like that. No, I'm actually two days ahead of you guys already. It's oh, like, <laughs> it's crazy. What's <laughs> what's the future like? We have joining us again on the podcast the one and only Julian. How are you, sir? Hey, man, doing great. It's one and uh, it's one eighteen in the morning for me, and I'm already through the entire bottle of wine. But I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> Business as usual on a Monday night, I guess. Excellent, excellent. We've we've been having a lot of requests. This this episode goes out to Vic because he at least once a week is like, "When are you going to do an elves episode? When are you going to do an elves episode?" And I'm like, oh, is that what we're talking about tonight? Yeah, that and tractors. <laughs> No, we're actually, actually, I thought we were talking, talking about vintage folk. tractors. Yeah, we were talking about vintage tractors in the pre-show yeah. and the uh, the socioeconomic conditions of vintage tractors. 37.7 degrees Celsius. That's what it was today. Dude, do you live like in Arizona or something? This is amazing. <laughs> no, this is Massachusetts. This is the north. <laughs> we live in the north of the country. Yeah, this is the cool area. <laughs> this is the cool area. Okay, so in Germany, we had like close to 30 degrees today, and that was already way too much for me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's but hot. I don't work on it's the solar hot. farms. <laughs> yeah, but it's great. I love I love working. It's Honestly, that sounds like a little bit like something out of Mad Max to me. It's like, oh, I work in the solar farms and it's yeah. like 200 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. And then the <laughs> radars were coming and we had to defend. But yeah, now I'm back here doing my podcast. Yeah, sadly, it's not as cool as Mad Max. It's like when I worked, I, I years ago, I worked in an office and I was hoping it was going to be like the show, The Office, where like you there's like cool people there and fun pranks. And it's not. It's just a soul sucking place to work. Yeah, no. When you work in an office, it's like the office in that every single person is Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah, it's ter- <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. I was very disappointed after like my third week there. I'm like, oh, this is nothing like The Office. Uh, the, the dreams of youth. Silly Pat. Okay. I would love to live. I would love to live in a Mad Max world, though. I'd want to be the guy who's strapped up on the truck playing guitar i feel like that's like a, a pretty good place to be because like you're mostly Chain, out of, chained by your nipples to the grill of a of an 18 wheeler i mean honestly yeah like i mean i do that for free like you know i feel like you're mostly out of the fray but you're also you also get to like play guitar in like the post-apocalyptic world sounds pretty awesome somehow they have electricity and like speakers around but they don't have like penicillin so yeah, I don't know. This, this is where the solar farms come in man <laughs> 
You'd actually be one of the rulers of the Mad Max world. You, you'd be a god. You'd be able to provide electricity. I mean, that's, that's the, the god of water, and you're going to be the god of power. That'd be pretty amazing. I actually kind of be excited for the, uh, post-apocalyptic, the post-apocalyptic world that is, uh, that is basically on our heels right now. We are just barely outrunning it at this point. <laughs> I, I explained to one of my students today the bottle cap economy. They had never heard the, uh, the idea oh, of like using Fallout. Bottle- yeah, using bottle caps as currency in the in the apocalypse, and I I blew yep. their minds. Yeah, you gotta get those caps, man. Yeah, start collecting those caps. The apocalypse is around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Until we get the sweet sweet release of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Until our life is instantly upgraded by the decline of civilization. Hey, we can no, talk about legacy. No more student loans, at least. I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I look at my student loans every day on my phone. I, I installed the credit karma app. Huge uh, mistake. Yeah, you can't Huge do that, mistake. dude. I tell it my, is so depressing. I tell my clients and students that, like, don't check your 401k daily. Don't check your accounts daily. It's just going to drive you insane. What is credit yep. karma? Are you guys so, being judged by, like, your credit or something? <laughs> yes. It yeah, determines on like whether a, or not you get into heaven. Yeah, it's basically... <laughs> is it something you put on a dating site? <laughs> I have a my credit score is pretty good. My credit goes yeah, yeah. It's a uh, yeah. It's it's like it's like the uh, like the Chinese social media app where the government controls. It controls. It tells people how good of a citizen you are. Dude, that's basically I got what, that TikTok? on my phone. Apparently, I'm a very good citizen. <laughs> Tick, TikTok, Pat. <laughs> well, yeah. T- oh, don't even get me started on TikTok. Don't get me started on TikTok. I think it's the bane of my existence. I love the videos, but I watch them on I watch them on other other sites. Oh, I watch you go to TikTok for the videos. I go there for the spyware. I, I love the spyware. The best spyware in the world. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah, it Ch- is. Uh, yeah. Chairman Mao just wants to check in every once in a while. I don't yeah, want him to worry. That's it all. Is. Pre- President uh, Xi. I feel wants to see honored what's going on. that he wants to know my secrets. <laughs> Actually, I feel bad because Julia was telling us on the pre-show how apparently there's a there's a Chinese podcast that translates all the English language magic podcast into Chinese, and now they're probably not going to be able to translate this episode because the Chinese government's going to take it down. Well, they're, they're I not doubt the, we're... Hi- they're not translating all the English podcasts, but when I was there, I was surprised by how much they actually translate and how familiar they were with the Western scene. Like They, they were asking even... I don't want to belittle anyone, so I'm not going to name names, but they were even asking about minor content creators. I want to say that maybe don't stream as often or are, are even more us. niche okay. than others. And they it's all, okay. you you can say all yes. about that. <laughs> it's okay, Julian. You, you can you can name our names. It's, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just gonna say, I was gonna say, there's no way that our podcast is even on the list on the list of podcasts to be uh, to be. Uh, uh, I don't know, translated. man. I don't know, man. I, I didn't ask them by, for like a, a comprehensive <laughs> list, but some of them actually asked me which kind of cologne Cherry uses. <laughs> That's actually a universal question. Like I get, oh, I get that I totally all the time. That up. Yeah, it's 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 Sex Panther, guys. It's Sex it's Panther. Sex, Everyone knows. Yeah. Don't you guys also, have something I, called Old Spice or something? I always see the commercials when I watch like pirate streams of football games and stuff. Yes. That, yeah. That's, a, that's more of a deodorant than a cologne. Yeah. I mean, they make de- they make very pungent deodorant though. Like if you're wearing Old Spice, people know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> My go-to cologne is actually Get a Room. Get what? Is that a real cologne or is that it like, actually is a real cologne? Where do you get that from? Is it from CVS or no, like another I, drugstore? I'm part of a cologne of the month club, Pat. Oh, for Christ's sake. You haven't left your <laughs> house in five months. Why do you need for cologne me. for? Yeah, it's for me. Okay, okay, I want to say something. For me. I sometimes put on cologne when I'm streaming because I want to feel better about myself. And I got three different types. <laughs> and depending on how I feel, I either go for Davidoff Blue Water, CK1, or Hugo Boss Bottled. 
Okay, here oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think of... I have one on my... I only have one cologne. I don't know what it is. I used to be a big fan of uh, the the Armani uh, cologne, Geo. Uh, you, you should start nice. posting. You should start posting what cologne you're wearing that night. <laughs> you so should. your listeners can spray a little in the room and it'll <laughs> make them feel closer to you. I wonder I wonder if it scream. has any effect in your play. Do you keep track of that? Uh, I, I stopped. Like I gave up keeping track of my play like many years ago. <laughs> like, I, honestly, honestly though, I I wrote a script, and by that I mean my Twitter wrote a script for me that actually keeps track of my win and lo- and lose on Magic Online during my streams, and that's actually kind of cool because I'm winning more than I thought I was winning when I'm streaming because I'm not always really I'm not always playing my best game when I'm streaming because I don't want to be the guy who sits there thinking about for two minutes whether he wants to play a fetch mm-hmm. land or the other fetch land, mm-hmm. but it's fun. It's fun. I stopped. I stopped keeping track of my play uh, under the you know strict guidance of my therapist. Said it would be good for my uh, mental health. <laughs> oh, guys! By the way, guys, when can you guys actually leave the country again? Like, I got an amazing country to sell to you. Like, you can go to. Tanzania Why would I want right to now. leave the country? I live in America. Why would I want to go anywhere else? <laughs> oh, you're I, one of I, the hardest clients. You're one of the <laughs> hardest clients. Like, do, do you guys have like? Okay, that was. A, I was going to ask, do you guys have tigers? We don't, but we don't even have tigers in Kenya. But you have to tiger king anyway. <laughs> We have a, no. We bring all the animals to us. They're in our zoos, man. Yeah, have you seen Have you seen Tiger King? We got lots of tigers in America. We got plenty of tigers. Plenty of plenty of animals. Tiger King uh, has been one of the most impressive things I ever watched. That was like <laughs> life. Look, like I think fifty years from now, history classes will look at Tiger King and make oh, students gosh. guess like what society was like in, in America uh, in the two thousands. That is no. That's America. That's, that's like hor- that's it's like horrifying. real. It's real accurate depiction of. Shout America. out to Carabaskins. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> she definitely killed her I, husband. <laughs> I saw someone take the uh, the uh, Joe Exotic. I'm never going to financially recover from this screenshot with the text below it, and then print it on one of their credit cards. So like, so all you see is like, <laughs> oh, man. it was fantastic. Honestly, America is amazing for all the shit I give it on social media and and during the streams and everywhere. But I mean, it, it wouldn't be half as fun without it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, I I agree. I, well, listen, the only reason I say I don't, I haven't. I have traveled outside the country multiple times. I uh, on secret missions. Traveling something. That, what's that? On secret missions. Secret missions, indeed. I, I'm not allowed to. And I'm not allowed to disclose where I've gone or who I've murdered. But uh, <laughs> no, I do. I do like to travel. But uh, yeah, now's not a good time, unfortunately. Not for us, at least. We're kind of like the lepers, well, the lepers I, of the world. I think the real answer is when's the rest of the world's going to allow us to travel? Like I saw like <laughs> places where Americans are allowed to travel and it's like Saudi Arabia and like China. And it's, that is it. Every other Tanzania, band does. Turkey, some others. And if you go to Tanzania, I actually, I can get you across the border to Kenya, but then you have to pretend oh, yeah? to be Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to be very apologetic for everything you do. That's, uh, how, that's how you fake being sorry. Canadian. Sorry. That's a good start. Sorry, sorry. Maple syrup and uh, just say, talk Dude, about hockey, you'll be fine. One of my friends sent me two giant cans of maple syrup. And I, because I was always like talking about that on my stream that I never tried that. And yep. I feel so bad, but it was like basically fluid sugar or something. That's liquid sugar. Like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't get it. That's what maple syrup, you gotta, but you gotta get the good, the flavor of maple syrup. So like, you gotta... You got to boil down, uh, you get sap from maple trees. You have to collect them in like, I don't know if you've ever seen maple syrup being made, but you basically just collect them in these big bit, these big tubs you put outside the trees. Um, and there's like, there's a few different bre- species of maples that you can get it from. But you tap these trees and you, it, the, the ratio of boiling it down is like 40 gallons of sap gets boiled down to one gallon of maple syrup. 
You know, it's crazy. You, know, you know, Lanowar elves when it taps for green mana, he's yeah. actually making maple syrup. <laughs> that is actually the process. He's, I did he's not making know that. maple syrup. I maple syrup is fantastic. Oh, I love maple syrup. It has to be the it has to be real maple syrup though. Like we also have fake maple syrup in the United States, which is disgusting. It's like it's just sugar water and maple flavoring. But I like real maple syrup from maple trees. I guess you guys call that soda. <laughs> no, 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 no. Real maple syrup is real thick. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I have, I have, I have, a, I have like a quarter of it in my fridge right now. The thing is, I didn't actually understand what I was supposed to use it for, so I tried to put it on oh. bread, but that was that didn't really work out very oh. well. Oh, I know. Yes. You put it on pancakes and French pancakes, toast. Pancakes, waffles. It's great for crepes. Um, you can make like mapleized candy. You can do all kinds of stuff with maple syrup. It's mapleized candy. Is that like when you fry a Snickers bar? I guess I, I've never had that, but like you can make like ma- you can get like maple candy. It's made with maple syrup. One of our awesome listeners, uh, Tim Raines IRL, uh, actually brought me a big jug of homemade maple syrup at GP uh, Niagara. I I literally top aided the GP, locked for top eight, and he's like, "Congratulations!" And he handed me a mason jar of maple syrup. <laughs> it was the it was the greatest it was the greatest prize I've ever gotten for any, any magic tournament. It was better than the blue envelope to the Pro Tour. It was way better than the blue envelope to the Pro Tour. <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing uh, well since we're talking so much about about elves and uh you know uh, uh this is a bad segue let's talk about elves because that's the, that's the topic of our of our show today right jerry it is i guess green, yeah, just, green just, trees maple syrup elves that's shit, the in the, shit in the shit with julian <laughs> yeah i mean i like that too chewing the fat i mean i prefer that sometimes so we can also talk about can vintage tractors. <laughs> yeah, we did have a we did quite the spiel of vintage tractors. That, that's why we decided to start recording because we realized that we lost this amazing conversation about vintage tractors. Yeah, that, that was, the world that was is a bummer. That never going to get now. Well, you have my you have my end of it, but it's probably not going to be nearly as entertaining. <laughs> we can just play that on its own, and people will figure out yeah. the rest. It's like a Sudoku. Yes. yes. <laughs> I did that once, by the way. My my recording for our podcast was entirely corrupted, but my two guests were like intact. So I had to yep. re-record everything I said in between their yes. lines. And yes. that took like an entire week. It was the... Dude, <sighs> I've had to do that before. It's terrible. I did the, I've had to do the exact same thing. And it was the most... I wanted to quit. But it was such a... I don't remember who the guest was, but it was such a good podcast. I didn't want to lose it. So I had to like fake all my ad lib. It was awful. It was awful. <laughs> like, oh, was awful. surprise. <laughs> <laughs> we, I had to do that. I had to do you that for didn't. our... D- <laughs> oh, it's the yeah. wor- it was the worst. I had to do that for our uh, our D and D podcast, and it was like an episode when I was just like killing it with the jokes. So there there was all these like laughing moments, and I just couldn't remember what any of the jokes were. Oh, so I'm just man. like sitting there, just saying just shit, and then everyone dies laughing. I'm like, man, people listening to this is gonna think this is the fakest shit in the world because this is <laughs> not funny. <laughs> Hey, shoutouts to to uh, pets. I guess that's your kid. Yes, yeah. No, no, that's actually just a small child that Pat keeps in his house. <laughs> My house elf. <laughs> By the way, I, I I saw him on the webcam. I guess it's gonna be really awkward oh. in the auto recording. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my that's my oldest son Liam. He is the one. Uh, he plays Legacy. Actually, he's great. Oh, what does he play? Uh, he plays goblins right now. He loves Ooh. it. Yeah, that's actually really yeah. good. Joy- I just lost two goblins. Yes, it is. Uh, it, it's gotten a significant upgrade. He he plays mono red right now, but now I have to go get him Badlands and Muxus, which is gonna. I don't know. I think the Muxus is gonna cost me as much as the Badlands will, but it's all right. Probably How much is Muxus these days? Muxus is a lot. I don't know what he is. I don't. I know he's like in, insanely hard to find a Magic Online. 
Yeah. I'm not sure what he costs in paper. Yeah, the Shepard is like 80 ticks, so Muxus would probably be like 50 or 60 or something. Yeah. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. That's eh, all right. What, are you, what, else, what else am I spending my money on? I'm not going out to eat, so. That's what you do True. in the post-apocalyptic world. That's right. Don't go That's out right. to eat. I mean, we're set. Magic cards are the currency in the post-apocalyptic world. Bottle caps and magic cards. <laughs> Uh, so Julian, what's uh, what's we decided to have you on because Tom had put me in my place. I was under the impression that elves was like a tier three deck these days. No one was playing elves anymore, and then Tom was just like, "Hey, no, there's been some good results with elves." So set us straight. What's what's the what's the state of the little the other little green men? Honestly, it's in a pretty decent space right now. I was pretty down on it for quite a while, ever since Plague Engineer came out. But somehow, like, there's basically two things. People stopped playing Plague Engineers all that much anymore. Like, I still see them, like, twice in Cyport or something. But it's not as bad as it used to be, where everybody was playing, like, four copies in the main deck, which was such a common thing. That, like, you, it makes you want to take your deck and throw it against the wall, but then you realize, oh, it's not the deck's fault, it's Wizard's fault, but you, you can't punch a Twitter account, I guess. And... That's just the other thing. One thing. The other thing is that the meta game really changed. Like what we are seeing right now, I, I just was looking at things on Goldfish uh, once again. People they really just play a bunch of mid range stuff, and Elves is so good at beating mid range. Like especially if you're playing like that. There's people say it's like two versions. The for example the one that Newton Hang is playing, which I think it's they're not that different what they are doing. Like there's the version that plays Elvish Reclaimer, and then there's the version that plays Nettle Sentinel, and they both have their merits. Uh, but the the reclaimer version, for example, is really good if you're expecting like a bunch of stuff that you can easily beat with, for example, your your toolbox that you get out for reclaimer, like it's Bochuka Bog, Caracas, and even Delvas because it's a three four. Like if you get it to to get three lands in graveyard, so that's that's basically where we are right now. The meta game has shifted in a way that favors us quite a bit. And we basically got two versions that are doing really well and that also have done a lot of work and hyping up the deck again and getting people to, yeah, top eight challenges with it. Top eight, top 16, top 32. I think Elves is actually one of the five most successful decks in Legacy right now. Wow. Yeah, so that's where we are. Wow, okay. What what version are you on right now? Are you on the Nettle Sentinel or the Reclaimer version? Uh, I switch quite a lot actually, but like people usually associate me with the Nettle Sentinel. They like that's mm-hmm. that's the, that's the awkward part because I get messages and sometimes people are like, "Oh, this is like Julian's Nettle Sentinel version versus Newton's Reclaimer yeah. version." Like what they don't know is first of all, like we get along really well. We played in the Legacy Double Dash mm-hmm. together and stuff, and I played both. And I mm-hmm. like Nettle. Like when I enter a tournament right now. I would pick Nettle Sentinel, but I n- I'm aware of all the reasons to pick the Reclaimer version, which actually recently put up even better results than Nettle. Like, we see Nettle Sentinels, so I got my fair share of 5.0s, and, like, people do well in the challenges, but the Reclaimer version is doing even better. And, mm. like I said, that version also very much has its merits, but it's it's really more a thing of, like, what do you want to beat, and what are you expecting the metagame to be like, and gotta okay. give it to the Reclaimer version. They can tutor up Cover Pit, which kills Plague Engineer, which is, like, a great yep. thing. Nice. Yep. Yep. So what's uh what's like like for magic tournaments uh around the world? You know, in the US we're still very much locked down. You're a uh, a German player, but you're in Kenya right now, right? Uh, I'm not in Kenya anymore. Like you I think I talked about this um quite a lot on my stream and, and Twitter like as much as I can share, we had a takeover an armed takeover of our hotel back in was it 20th Feb- like I remember I was in Prague 
I was I was doing karaoke with the Slovenian Queen of Wine at an Irish pub in in Prague singing Hotel California. That was one. Oh my god, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and like two days later, I wake up at five in the morning because I get like. Uh, Tons of messages from from my colleague in Kenya uh, who's running our hotel. He's like, Julian, please don't be scared, but the hotel is about to be overrun. And then he's like, sends me videos and pictures that he's hiding behind a oh. curtain, and he's he's like, basically we lost control of the hotel for a couple of months and looked like my job was going away and everything. But yeah, then my my boss like it looked like it was all over, but then he came back from Kenya and the guys. If you haven't seen the guy, he looks like the most innocent, whatever. He drives a smart, he wears a sweater from 50 years ago. But this guy put together an army and we reconquered the hotel in June. So ever since June, we get control of the hotel again. And Holy now we're shit. trying to, to like, they, they fucked up everything. They sold everything. And I can't tell you, like, the guy was caught with, like, hand grenades and, and machine guns in, in the mangroves around our hotel because, like, he was ready to really fuck this place up. But yeah, the, the the soldiers basically took care of him, and now we're trying to Whoa. reopen by November. So wow, not in Kenya right now. <laughs> it's, Holy but, shit! Oh, yeah, damn. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so that is real Mad. I was just about pretend Mad Max in the solar field. That's real Mad Max. <laughs> it's no joke. Oh, that's uh, so that's crazy. So so you're in Germany. Where are you right now? And uh, northern suburb of Munich. Like I live near the Munich airport. Uh, okay. So you're yeah, just, just so you are you are in uh, in Munich. What's uh what's like the magic like scene in uh going on in Europe? Like are there paper tournaments yet or what's going on? They started back up again on a local level. So here around our place we, we always used to have a local tournament for like twenty players or something. And I think two weeks ago we restarted our weekly like Tuesday nights at the bar and that's that's still like people sit somewhat far up. I've never been there. I've been there, but I've never been there ever since COVID. And from what they tell me it's it's decent and now the tournaments are starting up again and i was just invited to like a private tournament and for example i know in china for example they already started running like quite a lot of like medium-sized tournaments again so mm-hmm. it's slowly coming back again but it's like we, we won't be having these big tournaments for quite a while even though i gotta say oops my webcam just cut out whatever in italy they already are looking to to get their four seasons tournament going by the end of the year which should have Wow. Ideally, over 100 players. That's awesome. Wow. Okay, yeah, we so, suck. Uh, We're not yeah. doing that at all. <laughs> Wear your mask, people, so we can have paper tournaments again. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, but okay, so so slowly starting to come back, have it back at the local level. Do you feel? Does it feel like? anything's really changed or does it feel like things that were just basically on pause for a few months or do you feel like there's a like a big shift in the way people think about it? You mean strategy-wise? Uh, I guess just both, like from uh, an a- attendance-wise, and oh, I mean, just like excited, especially yeah. those people who don't play on Magic Online, like our, our Tuesday nights. That's basically ten percent of people are playing on on Magic Online. The rest is not. So they're incredibly keen to play again. And there's even players who haven't played in God, when did he, like almost a decade. They haven't played in a decade, wow. and now they are so excited to come back and play again. So there's definitely going to be a lot of interest. That's honestly why I feel like if that's probably a topping of its own. But I've always felt, and people will probably like misquote me on that in, in the Facebook group and hate me. But I've always felt that there were like too many GPs. So my ideal word for Magic was always like we're going to have fewer GPs, 
But those GPs are going to be so amazing for anybody playing any format that you definitely want to be there if that's somewhere yes. in your geographic region. And the yes. rest should be like regional stuff, like, I don't know, yeah. states, yeah. what I have you, like, or even like smaller stuff that's like mm-hmm. 20, 30, 40 people legacies. And that's where you just like go. And then like, because legacies played by, by, Okay, I was going to say grown-ups. I mean, that sounds... I mean, you're I not wrong, you though, right? Like, it definitely... The, the, the format definitely skews older. Like, there's no... That's, you know, that's not that's not being, you know, uh, talking down anyone. That's just the way that it is, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think that's definitely true. I mean, that's why, like, historically, the largest GPs have traditionally been legacy GPs was because we only got one of them. So everyone's like, all right, I'm going to go to this one because yep. it's the only one we're getting. And that's why you see like some of the the largest attended GPs of all time have been legacy GPs, mm-hmm. you know, barring like Vegas, which was like the trifecta one, which was right. also legacy, but you know, had other extenuating circumstances. Um, but yeah, like you see like standard tournaments, there's a GP every week, and they're struggling to get you know five six hundred people to go, and that's just kind of the way the way it is. Like if you oversaturate the market, it's not going to be special. People aren't going to want to go to it. Or at least, you know, put in the effort to go to it when it would be, you know, they'll just say, oh, I'll just go to the next one. Yeah, yeah. I remember when when we still had, for example, those big legacy side events at GPs. I'm thinking about like Vienna 2007 or 8 or something. Like everybody in southern Germany, we carpooled to Vienna because we knew on Sunday there was going to be this big legacy event that's like eight or nine rounds plus top eight. So we drove there, even though the GP itself was a standard GP. We even played in the main event and everybody scrapped out, whatever. But that's something that really gave you an incentive to go and and not the four round where you split the third round at a fourth round anyway thing that Channel Fireball does. Yeah. So I want I want a GP to be for everyone playing Magic and like at least one big tournament for every major format or even like minor formats, whatever. And I know, I mean, there's probably a reason why Channel Fireball is not doing that in the first place, right? It's not like, oh, I'm so smart, I thought of that, but Channel Fireball didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> but <laughs> I wish they would do that. And that's basically what I, like, I'm really hoping that once Magic restarts on a more national or international level, that maybe we can see something like that. But right now we don't yeah, even I- know what it's going to be like. I, I agree. I think that we've been over and in, over inundated with like both organized play events and also just product. Like, I mean, can you just can we all just like sit back and look at the amount of product that's been released just in 2020 alone? Like, it's been impossible for me to keep up with all these sets that are being released. And I get that like not everything is for everyone, and I I, I understand that 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 idea. But like these are like major sets that are being released that like I can't keep up with. There's so much thing, and like this was supposed to be going on along with organized play, along with GPS, like. I don't know how they were going to pull off this much product being shoved into the market and also being able to promote it properly. It's just it's crazy to me. It seems like they've their like their set releases have gone into overdrive and it's it's that much more apparent with with everything especially at least from the US perspective. Everything's slowing down so much where we're not going out and playing paper magic and seeing all these sets released and it's like cool. I mean, I know they got to go out, but it's I don't know. It's been very underwhelming uh, in in a big in a well, big sense. We've okay. seen a, a big explosion in popularity of uh, pre-modern, and I wonder if that's related to it. Like, people are just burnt out with all these set releases. They just want to go to some format where it's just like, all right, I literally don't need to care about anything new coming out. Mm-hmm. All I have to care about is these cards that came out a decade ago, and I'm good to go. Well, that's funny, right? Because that used to be Legacy, but it's not anymore with the new fight, with the new, like, the way they design cards now. Like, it used to be, hey, I'm going to play Legacy because I don't really want to care about what comes out in Standard every every other month. Like, I don't have to worry about all these supplementary releases. I want to just play a format that is basically non-rotating and a, a bunch of new cards don't come in 
every few months, and that is not legacy right now. That's that's not legacy at all. So I can see the appeal of pre-modern or something like that to people. Yeah, I do think Wizards kind of learned their lesson at least. Um, when it comes to their what, what's it called, fire philosophy that really backfired because people don't like. Like it's become a meme of its own, right? At this mm-hmm. point, so I maybe I'm na- naive, but I think that in the future the power level is going to be a little bit died down again because what we've experienced through the last two years is unparalleled almost pretty much yeah i i i completely agree it's been it's been a lot and like you know seeing legacy get shaken up so many times and so many cards get pushed in the format i mean that's not really what you sign up for when you're playing a format like legacy you're looking for slow incremental changes deck tuning and once in a while a card breaks breaks through and becomes maybe a role player you know rarely does it become a superstar but it seems like yeah. you know it's it's happening more and more and more and you know even though some like a lot of people are like oh well you know Narset and Teferi aren't nearly as prolific as people as as people made it out to be when they first came out it's like yeah but like they they that's that's not really fair if they had come out like ten years ago they would be it's just you know but it's also <laughs> like these are also now parts of they're also in the format so it it's gonna it does it won't take much for another card to come and break those cards you know do you know what I'm saying like it, it's they just yeah. got overshadowed. It's like, oh, Narson and Teferi are insane, but oh, look, we also printed Oko, and Oko's even more insane. I think so there's, like- just, there's two <laughs> principles at work, because we also got examples of, of decent cards that were really appreciated by, by the community. Since we were talking about Elves earlier, Elfish Reclaimer is a card mm-hmm. that has found yeah. a home in like a couple of decks, but nobody yep. is out there. He's like, oh, fucking shit, they had like the Reclaimer. Right. But right. They, they do two things, and one of the things is like just plainly overpowered like the numbers don't work like oko and uro it's just like numbers wise it doesn't add up it's too crazy and the other Mm -hmm. thing is i get that sometimes we need cards that say you can't do this like you can't draw cards or like chalice or anything like that or your creatures loses all abilities because of oko it's just i think that's like a way to patch up something and once we get too many of those you can't you can't and for as much as i love kevin of souls it's the same idea you can't counter this and Mm -hmm. that was only okay for a long time because we had top miracles and that was like one way to kind of try to counter top miracles right but that's also based on a card that was like you can't resolve your spell counterbalance. And I mean, that, right. I don't want to like derail this way off, but I think a lot of stuff that's wrong is, is based on these two principles. And I want to go away from you can't. Like, yes, mm. we can. <laughs> Something <Yes>. like that. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> so Elvish Reclaimer is kind of one of those cards. Like Elvish Reclaimer is a, is a toolbox card for elves that just really opens the deck up to a new line of play. You know, how how is that? different for the deck compared to the more traditional builds so what it does is and i actually i misjudged the card initially because i was primarily only judging it on its tutoring ability and that actually Mm. comes up much more rarely than you would think but it's still Mm. something great to have around and even if it doesn't come up it might mean that your opponent is respecting the tutoring ability. So just because you're not tutoring for Buchuka Bok doesn't mean that it's bad. It means that your opponent has to actively play around that because he is aware of that or because he's aware that you can get Caracas and stuff. So mm-hmm. just because it's there, it might alter the way your opponent plays. And on top of that, it's a 3-4, which basically is the, the most relevant creature size in all of Legacy. Like 3 fours. Survives like it can even run the most annoying, the most times. annoying creature size. That's not that great anymore. But you can even kill Dreadhought Arcanist if it attacks and stay. Uh-huh. Like if it trades for Dreadhought Arcanist, even if they have the lightning bolt. So 
it's it's a really great size for a creature, especially in a meta game that's heavily dominated by Delva. And on top of that, we we tried doing stuff like fetching up um, nurturing peatland, which is the land that draws you an extra card. But it's really just the size that's, that's really good and the tutoring ability. And mm-hmm. what you, of course, the trade off. At least if you play a list, um, for example, that has been popularized lately by uh, Newton, uh, I think it's at Newton Hang on Twitter, I'm pretty sure. I guess you guys can link that in show notes somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. You'd usually cut Nettle Sentinel, which takes away from your ability to be more explosive and combo and, turn, and kill them on turn two. And sometimes your, your glimpse will fizzle and then you have to pass the turn. But if... If you're aware of that and you know that you got to play your deck with that in mind, for example, a, a great example is if you think that you will get to a decent spot, but then you have to pass the turn because you don't have Nettle Sentinel, it's not that bad if you have this card in your deck because then you might be able to take away whatever they might do on their turn that's super relevant and then you win on your turn because you just have overwhelming forces. Whereas in the Nettle Sentinel version, a lot of times you can win on the turn you glimpse off. Like I've seen the, the, the Reclaimer version win on the same turn. Uh, they glimpse, but it's it's mu- it's a deck that's much less focused on glimpse, and mm. that's I would say those are the main difference. There's like tons of minor stuff that probably we can't explore over our single podcast episode, but that's one thing. And the second thing I want to talk about um, is Allosaurus Shredder. That's exactly what I was going to ask about. I was going to Shredder. I don't know. Like to, to me, the theme is it like it gr- it grows those Allosauruses and then it gr- grinds them up and it feeds them to the elves and the elves become oh, dinosaurs because of it. And they go crazy <laughs> in attack. <laughs> but that card is amazing because not only does it make your green stuff uncountable, which is a big deal, it's but people initially didn't think about it. it also it resolves through chalice because it itself mm-hmm. itself is encounterable right. and then it also makes all your future stuff it's not only like green creatures which we've seen in the past it means green spells so even your glimpse mm-hmm. can go through a through a glimpse mm-hmm. of uh, through a chalice and that card is just great and usually you would play like a single copy that's the, the standard right now that you play the single copy in the reclaimer versions and the nettle sentinel versions that are more focused on a glimpse i would still play like two maybe three i usually try to play more in the beginning of a card because i want to see like what it's going to be like and get a better feel yeah. for it but that's the conclusions we arrived to up until now but that card is, oh, i love it I really i'm love surprised it. that card isn't played more often to be honest with you i i thought when I saw Alasaur uh, Shepherd to be spoiled, I thought it was going to be a three or four of in all the elves decks. Well, one reason, Pat, is I just looked it up. It's seventy dollars right now. No, I understand. Card. Yeah, <laughs> you guys know why? Do you guys know how common the card is? Like, there's treasure chests right now. You can only get in treasure chests. It's one in how many treasure chests? Six hundred, right? Some of like that. Five thousand. Five thousand. <laughs> <laughs> So half the time you see anybody do well with Allosaurus Shredder, it's because they borrowed them from Newton. Because he used to have three, and I was told he sold two recently, so only I got one. And Wizards, like we complained so much on Twitter, Wizards promised us they are going to adjust the drop rate as soon as Double Masters hits mm-hmm. Magic Online. I don't know, that should already be, like, pretty soon. And then the price is going to come down, and then we'll actually be able to play more copies. But for now, there's probably like a dozen or two on Magic Online maximum or something. That's insane. That is insane. That's Magic Online. It it's seventy dollars in paper. <laughs> like, is it from Jumpstart? Yeah, it Jumpstart. From? Okay. What is going on? I mean, it's so, a mythic from a look, set that really isn't being open right now on paper too. So they're like ever because that this is also the set Muxus is from too, right? Correct. Another yeah, that Muxus card. is like twenty five dollars right now. So yeah, man. People, uh, people need these cards. They didn't get opened. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think Mux Mux is a rare too. I think maybe it's a mythic. I'm not sure. It feels like um, a mythic. It's it does really feel like good. a mythic. It is very good. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a rare. Let's see real quick. Yeah, it's it's a rare. Okay, awesome. so that's that's got to be the that's got to be the reason for the delta there because I imagine that there's probably as much demand for Muxus as there is for a Allosaurus Shepherd. Yeah, it's just Allosaurus Shepherd's the mythic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Allosaurus Shepherd's about seventy dollars. Muxus is about thirty-two dollars. Kind of reminds me of a uh, True Name Nemesis. Remember, there was the huge scramble in demand for True yeah. Name Nemesis when it first came out because it was only in the Commander sets. I remember like, Bazaar I re- of Muxus in two thousand thirteen in pa- Paris. Like on Saturday morning, everybody was rushing the dealers because that was the first official day the card was out, and I don't know how many they paid, how much they paid for that card. Uh, I remember driving around and hitting probably like five or six Walmarts and Targets in a single day, just driving, seeing if they had any commander sets because oh, Walmart really? and yeah, because Walmart and Target would put them out and they don't know how much they're worth, so they would put it at MSRP. Meanwhile, like all these other places are selling them for like five, six times the value, whereas you know you could get it for twenty five bucks at Walmart. So, like people were just driving around constantly hitting the Targets and Walmarts <laughs> trying to get you know. Get the stocking lottery, basically. So, Allosaurus Rider and Reclaimer. Shepard. Or, sorry. You have no idea how many people actually come on my stream and they're like, hey, Julian, why are you not playing Allosaurus Rider? I'm like, yeah, why am I not? (laughs) I should do that. (laughs) (laughs) So, those are the the two latest uh, cards that got added to Elves. Um, If you think Wizards is kind of entering a more powered-down approach and we're not going to be getting any legacy goodies for a while do you think that that'll actually end up being good for elves like do you feel elves has all the tools that it needs right now yeah the thing about elves is it's always so incredibly tight because of glimpse basically glimpse basically forces you to have a certain core of elves and if you deviate from that too much then you can't really leverage the part of about elves anymore and the beauty of elves honestly to me always is um there's there's the saying that I think Phil Ivey said that about poker, like the the key to playing poker well is putting your opponent to decisions they don't want to make. And that's very much what you do with elves because your opponent doesn't know what your hand is like. So playing elves is a lot like playing poker. And just because your opponent so much got to respect what you might be having, the, the average value you got in your hand already goes up without you even having that in the first place. And if we ever got to a place where Glimpse wasn't an integral or at least like reliable part of Fs anymore, then people could take more liberties and and go out there. So there's really only so much space we can occupy. There's really only so many slots we can really tinker around with Fs. So the stuff that we're more excited about usually is silver bullets, straight upgrades, which very rarely happen. We got Reclamation Sage over Viridian Shaman like seven years ago, and sideboard cards. And for cyber cards, it's always like, okay, you want to have something that's good against combo, and ideally that also doubles against control decks, or at least delver decks, because those are basically the three things you want to beat. And it's not that easy. Like, I've been holding out for Alana while for Threech for basically, uh, I think, eight years by now, ever since I picked up the deck. Because can you imagine how overpowered that would be? You just give Alana while Reach, and like we could block Grizzlebrand, block bounce, they wouldn't gain life. They'd be mm-hmm. like, whatever, dude, Grizzlebrand. <laughs> <laughs> cute card. <laughs> oh, oh, or even man. just block Delva. Like, oh. but uh, right now, if if it's, if things stay like this, I, I I wonder whether there's still some avenues of legacy that are somewhat underexplored, because you know how we got like snow and it looked like snow was gonna crush everything, but now it's only mm-hmm. like okay. 
And it's, even with elves, like we have a really good strategy against elf, uh, against snow right now, which is we want to go for natural order progenitors, and we want to back that up with a ton of discard because the weakness of snow right now as it's built is they don't have terminus. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's bond miracles, which is a bit of a different deck, but they're not gonna get like the snow deck is not gonna get to ten snow permanents to dread of winter away the progenitors. Right. So I feel like this is a decent strategy, and then you really gotta pick what you wanna beat. Like if you ever play especially a non-green deck a non-blue deck and you want to beat everything that's not really going to work for you so i don't mind if sometimes i just go oh to drop with mm-hmm. the other times i top eight the tournament and that's what's happening quite a lot with elves lately hmm. Hmm. it's not a way to not not a bad way to live you know get to go home early or win the tournament <laughs> yeah yeah like i don't want to be the guy who misses out top eight on like a six and three record mm-hmm. or something like that yeah true um, I, I agree with that. I do think there is probably lots of unexplored stuff in legacy just because so much has come out that was really overpowered that other stuff got overlooked. Like there are so many cards like, you know, slightly below Narset, slightly below Teferi in power level wise that if it was in a normal legacy environment would probably definitely get brewed with and looked at, but people were just too busy looking at other stuff to really get into it. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see some decks come out down the road when things have settled down a bit and people have some more time to brew with the, you know, older but newer cards, uh, you know, really finding some real some real treasures in there. Yeah, and something like the Sharknado deck, right, that that Kalen brewed up yeah. recently, that's been doing really well. He just topped forward the challenge with it, and uh, Noah Walker even wrote about it on Channel Fireball. And for as chunky as, as weird as it looks, it's really got the results. And mm-hmm. oh, yeah. to me, that's just amazing. We have a card called Shark Typhoon, <laughs> and we can, get, <laughs> we can make instant speed uncounterable flying sharks mm-hmm. that eat a diver. Like, holy <laughs> shit. Like I love that. Well, I love to see that. I love it because it brought standstill. Standstill is legacy playable again <laughs> yeah. because of that, yeah. which is awesome. And uh, yeah, and that brought back uh, what was it? Uh, Heliod's uh, temple. The land you can play that. that. Yeah, yeah. If you if you want to record your standstills or Sharknados or something, uh, not Sharknados, Shark Typhoons. Yeah. yeah, they should really do a crossover with whoever owns the rights <laughs> to Sharknado. Sci-Fi Channel. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's like that's an example of a card that like. It came out and we're like, all right, this is basically Academy Ruins for enchantments. Like, this is probably good enough for Legacy since Academy Ruins is good enough. We just haven't really figured out a place to put it, and you know, Cam figured it out in the in the Sharknado deck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Uh, I've been trying to break uh, Unearth. I've been I've been brewing <sighs> a ton with Unearth lately. It's such an <laughs> like an underappreciated card. I think I say it all the time, but I love Unearth. Uh, so I've been doing it with uh, the Archfiend's Vessel, and I uh, I brewed up a deck, and I had the Trial by Fire last night. I put this deck together, uh, this version of the deck. First time I played it, my first round opponent was Tom Hep. My second round opponent was Strifo. And then my third round opponent was uh, uh, Lewis CBR. So it went well <laughs> so, is what you're saying. <laughs> did not go well. Did not go well. But Strifo said, hey, I like this deck idea. So, I mean, that made it worth it. Like, nice. Stri- Strifo telling me that he likes my deck ideas better than any number of five O's. <laughs> Honestly, I know it's such a sweet card. And actually, it's been, it has seen a lot of play lately in Espawile, mm-hmm. which might actually be one of... Okay, I'm going to say it. It's the most underappreciated deck in Legacy right now. Hmm, uh, because really? it's really okay. good. It's really good. Uh, I think Jeff just won the challenge with it, by the way. I didn't look at the list whether he still yes. plays Unearth, but I'm pretty sure he does because that's basically the slot where you play anti-control cards that are really mm-hmm. cheap. And I played the deck for quite a lot. Uh, it didn't really work very well on stream because 
I never really time out, but this deck puts me very close to timing out, especially yeah. in the wild mirrors. And but it's so good. It's so amazing. The, the stuff you can have you guys seen what, what Charming Prince does to Gilded Drake? Have you seen that? No, I haven't, well, I haven't it, seen it. It has one of the weirdest writings in the history of magic. So basically Gilded Drake, you know, the guy who who basically ex- exchanges itself for any creature the opponent has. So right. they have your three three flyer and you got whatever they had. Yes. But then you have Charming Prince, and Charming Prince basically flickers something, a creature. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't flicker a creature you control. It flickers a creature you own. So uh-huh. now you flicker uh-huh. your Gilded Drake on the other side of the board. It comes back on your <laughs> side. It steals another mm. creature. Like, what the fuck is happening there? And that's something you can abuse really hard. And I yeah. abused that to no end. It's amazing. Yeah. So this is weird. So I pulled it up. Uh, this went 7-0 in the challenge uh, yesterday. Uh, this is a sweet list. Four Baleful Strix, three Charming Prince, four Meddling Mage, one Baron Talarian Archmage, one Flicker Wisp, one Peace, one Peacekeeper. I haven't seen Peacekeeper in a while. Uh, one Plague Engineer, four Recruiter of the Guard, two Soul Herder, uh, one Palace Jailer, one Vincer Shaper Shavant, uh, one Teferi Time Raveler, four Brainstorm, three Swords, four Force, four Vile, and then Esper Mana Base, basically. So yeah, this is uh, it. It's basically like. Esper hate bears kind of but yeah just yeah, like yeah. lots of flicker flicker effects i think it, i played against this actually online the other day but didn't really realize it the soul herder really makes a deck because once the soul herder gets going that's basically like we, we call it the tutor network because you can mm-hmm. go, get almost anything in your deck and no matter what your opponent does like you can even sometimes set up scenarios where you have caracas and Venza shape a savant like that's something people did and well not in one the legend version of top miracles right yep and yep. you can get absolute control of the game and that feels amazing it takes forever but mm-hmm. it's incredibly cool and that deck has access to a ton of its cards almost all the time and yeah you, you can just like pull some really crazy stuff with the charming princess with barons there's there's a lot a lot of potential in there and a lot yeah of there's awesome a lot place. of synergy in this deck yeah Lots of yeah, lots of flicker, lots of bounce. Yeah, it's very interesting deck. I can definitely see how this would go to time a lot though. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, this is sweet. I like the vials in this deck. I think that's awesome. Uh, the vials, Be- I think. Being I able to instant speed a bunch of these cards is like so clutch. I don't think this deck would really be playable with the vials. Mm. I think they're just so key to this. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it's quite mana hungry. It's really quite mana hungry. And you can mm-hmm. still get away with like getting vile only on like turn two or three, sometimes even four, because mm-hmm. the deck has so much stalling potential that like whatever your opponent's doing is not going to work out for a while. And then your card advantage engine just takes like the soul herders. It's just out of the struggle. That's there, crazy. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, you get a lot of. Like, a lot of your edge is also from your opponent just misplaying because they don't have nearly as much experience as you have when you play the deck for, for right. quite a while. And you, you sometimes, like, you plan, I don't know, I, I'm not lying. I'm saying, like, you sometimes plan, like, 10 turns ahead because you already know your opponent has only, like, these two outs, but one mm-hmm. of them is Madding Maged and the other one you can deal with because you have Venza and Venza deals with everything. It's, oh, man, I'm, I'm talking so much about the stack. Maybe I'm just going to fire it up again and play it because I <laughs> yeah. love it so much. <laughs> Screw screw elves. We're talking about uh, Esper Vile. Uh, like elves is in- one of the decks that actually is really good against Esper Vile. The only problem is the Peacekeeper. Like we can't beat Peacekeeper in the very first game, and every Esper Vile player knows this. It's <laughs> it's really just a race to Peacekeeper. I played against Newton in the uh, what's it called Lotus Box. They, they had a really big Lotus Box tournament, where mm-hmm. like for tons of money. 
And I got Peacekeeper down on turn three or something, and he immediately scooped because he knew it was over. <laughs> and the second game, I got Peacekeeper down, and I had uh, Meddling Mage and Abrupt Decay, and because it was open deck lists, I knew there was no Cable Pit, so instantly over again. Yep. So, but overall, Elves really wrecks us. That's why we also usually have Plague Engineers, like one the main one on the side, because we gotta, we gotta fight that somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, uh, so this, this deck actually came in first and third for the Legacy right. Challenge yesterday. right. Let, can, can I take a guess? I actually didn't look it up. Is the third place Chase MTST or something? No, it's uh, oh, plays Coke, Coke MTG. Oh, that's a Spanish player. Oh, he usually plays Dutton Texas, but I guess Dutton Texas is that. By the way, did you guys hear Phil Gallagher of Thraben University? He made it more expensive if you want to submit a donation deck list at Dutton Texas. So if you want to <laughs> submit like a tier deck, it's $15. But if you want to submit a deck that's quote-unquote very likely to lose money or death in Texas, then it's $20. <laughs> Aren't those two one and the same? <laughs> oh, that's, fantastic. That, that's where we are with death in Texas right now. I'm so sorry. Oh, boy. Uh, it looks like... Kate- yeah, lots of amazing, amazing things and hap- legacy happening right now. I'm, I'm still, like, if you ask me, I think the farmer could do better. But we can find some stuff that's enjoyable, and yeah, we we figured out from here. I guess there's only so much control we really have over that. I guess we should do, do have like a like a concerted effort or something. We just bad mouth a certain card and be like, oh no, this card is very very bad. Like across all <laughs> podcasts, be like, no no, you shouldn't play this card. It's not very fun. Like, and then maybe people are gonna believe that. But I guess we don't really have that kind of reach. Or do we? Like, you guys are amazing. Like, leaving a legacy? You should, should turn this into a business, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we Justin tried starting up an OnlyFans for us to try and bring in some extra money. Oh, I'm a member. I'm a member. You're actually our number one uh, content. Yeah, yeah. Pl- platinum back triple member. I, I got it all. I've seen it all. Even the behind-the-scenes stuff that you did. For, oh, no, I, let's not speak of that. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was actually that, disgusting, but you, you guys know. That's that. only for our top donors. Exactly. Can't give away the goods. Oh, that's a secret. Can I, just point, here. <laughs> can I just point out though? Ninjas came in eighth place in the challenge. Yeah. Hell yeah, yep. ninjas still putting up results. How do you, how do you feel, Julian, about the format as a whole? Like, how is the metagame in your in your point of view? Mm. Keep in mind, elves is currently yeah, yeah. at three three point one two percent. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is. Something I'm missing from the meta game is a really slick, smooth, enjoyable diver deck. Because we got the diver deck right now, the rock diver one, but that's really just like a mid-range deck. That's basically shardless bug in disguise, if, mm-hmm. if you really want to put it like that. And I I want to play a diver deck that's like Stifle, Days, Wastelands, Burpees, that kind of stuff. Play no three-mana stuff. And that's what I'm missing from the format. So I feel like the format is more mid-rangey by now and also have, has some kind of control elements, but mid-range is really dominant. It's just hmm. the kind of mid-range that I really want to play is not there. There's no Death in Texas. There's no Maverick. Uh, like there, There's four-color Maverick with Mox Diamonds, but that's very different from the actual philosophy of Maverick. And I kind of want to get to a spot where non-blue mid-range decks are better it's just incredibly hard to put up with Uro. Like, Oko is annoying, but we can deal with Oko and we'll find a way. Sometimes we just splash it. But Uro, and I recently, like, honestly, I only played Uro for the first time, like, last week. I played a lot against it. And that card is just so incredible. Like, it's so it's, incredible what that card does. Like, the extra land drop matters so much, you wouldn't think it. Yes. But the extra yep. land drop is matters. Like, that's the difference between Salt Supply sharing or not. It's, wow. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the life gain. 
just it, like uh, yeah. that gaining three to six life like it just it is the difference in so many games for me where like i felt like i was winning and then uru comes in and i'm like all right that bottom a turn then they unearth it and I'm like oh well now they bought another turn and now i have to deal with uru otherwise i'm just not going to be able to keep up with this three life a turn mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, for me, the life gain is the most backbreaking part of you it. You know what's great to have against Uro is uh, is an active... Uh, uh, Sulfuric Vortex? Uh, <laughs> no, that's great. I like no, the way you uh, think Dreadhorde, Dreadhorde Arcanist with a couple of Pyroblasts in your uh, graveyard. Because I've definitely, I've definitely stolen a game away from, uh, from an Uro deck because I had... Uh, like two, like three pyroblasts post board. It was great, and drew them all. And just pyroblasted Uro after Uro after Uro. Honestly, people should pyroblast the first, like the the Uro that goes to the graveyard. Mm-hmm. People should still somewhat pyroblast that sometimes because when I played the deck, I felt like, oh, if they pyroblast this Uro, actually, I, I, that would be pretty bad for me. Mm-hmm. But it's just it feels so bad when you don't have your own kind of thing yes. that you're yes. working towards. Yes. And that's why I recently really like the Natural Order Bond versions, like that. That, that, that put something like one in the top eight of a challenge and then like two top 32s or something or another top 16 and i streamed that two or five mm-hmm. and oh and that was really cool and mm. just being able to natural order into progenitors and not having to pull put up with the whole okay uro and okobars again because now my 10 is gonna finish it but like not gonna lie that uro that's scary they can actually sometimes yeah. raise a progenitors it's yes like, what yeah the fuck is going on yeah it does yeah i hate it thanks i hate it <laughs> <laughs> So what yeah. do you guys take to a tournament? Like, if there was, like, a big tournament in Boston tomorrow, like the Boston City Championships. <laughs> I, you guys is, are laughing. It, you don't care about the Boston City Championships? <laughs> so my thing with paper right now is if it's a paper tournament, I'm bringing Sneak and Show that I top-aided uh, GP Niagara with because I'm just too lazy to re-sleeve the deck. <laughs> like, I I hate sleeving decks so much that it honestly stifles <laughs> my ability to do well in paper tournaments because I just can't be bothered to, like, sleeve up the hottest new tech. You so, I mean, if I'm... All right, so, all right, <laughs> let, but let's let's just say somewhat you have a little uh, house elf to, to sleeve your deck for you, Jerry, and you have access to any card you want. What are you going to play then? Because I don't think um, your I'm, answer is going to be sneak and show. Because I don't think that's where no, you want to be right now. I I really don't think sneak. Like maybe the blue green sneak and show. Mm-hmm. Yep. But even then, like I feel like I don't have the. I don't. I still am not a hundred percent confident on what the best blue green sneak and show list is. Mm-hmm. Like it probably has some number of arrows and in, Oko's in, in it. Uh, but what that number is, I'm not sure. Um, so like maybe the blue green sneak and show if I'm playing a combo deck. But honestly, I'm I'm probably playing some version of like blue white control hmm. uh, astrolabe. Really? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like like it doesn't uh, seem like that, like that deck's doing that well right now. No, like I like the the list Kalem uh, came in fourth with mm-hmm. yesterday, even though it's labeled uh, white blue black red for some reason. It's very much just a blue white astrolabe control stoneforge deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a I have a version very similar to this sleeved up in paper right now that I play as my fair deck, and uh, like I would on like basically I would basically just have to add the shark typhoons to it, hmm. and I have this I have this deck sleeved up. Um, you know, this is what I would be bringing if I wanted to actually like do well at a tournament and I was giving it my all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's going to me, I mean, blue red delver is always my is always my jam. I'm always playing whatever flavor of blue red delver I find to be best, but um. I might also bring goblins too, because I think goblins is oh, a really yeah. fun deck to play. I, I think Muxus is a is an underappreciated card. I I almost want to play like um like a turbo Muxus list, 
Um, you know, like <laughs> play like play maybe like play three Muxes and just go all in on like the um, on Come the Muxes Nicky? plan. Yeah, the lackey into Muxus just seems like super fun. Um, so I might bring I might bring goblins, but probably blue red. Del- it's it's a boring answer, but blue red Delver is the deck that Honestly, I have all my. Goblins- Sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say goblins is really decent right now. Mm-hmm. Like goblins is, I, I really, really, really like goblins right now in the meta game. You, you guys know uh, what's his name? Uh, Goblin Lecky One. He streams quite a, quite mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, yep. And we just had him on the podcast. Been, oh, you did. Oh, we did. Actually, yeah, like, also, <laughs> I think. Oh, you cheated like, on us. We had him on Everyday like, Eternal, and then he went on your podcast. I think he went on another <laughs> podcast yes, as well. Yes, he did. Yeah, like, I think. I think we dude. actually ended up being the third podcast he was on. And I was like, damn it! Like we had too many guests lined up. We should have just bumped someone. Um, but yeah, no. Like, <laughs> Remember when, when Cyrus won GP Atlanta? There was like mm-hmm. Cyrus weeks in the legacy yes. community and we consciously <laughs> dropped out of that because we're like, okay, we're not going to be like the seventh podcast where you tell us about how you won the finals. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So Goblins, yeah, I'm loving Goblins. I'm loving Goblins. I actually just lost to it. Maybe that's influencing me, but I have a soft spot <laughs> for Goblins because anything that's good against control, I like. I like yes. it so much. I just, and I also just love like the... The, the the old school uh, lineage of the deck. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's just been around forever, and I love seeing like uh, legacy staples come back and make and make their mark. I think that that's why that's one of the reasons why I kind of like elves as a deck too. I love the tribal decks that make their way into yeah. the into the top de- top tables in the format. I think they're they're fantastic for the game. Like even Murfolk has been doing well lately. Mm-hmm. They they got this combo with what's it called Oracle of Muldaya? No, not Oracle of Muldaya. Uh, uh, yeah, Thathos the uh, Oracle. Thathos yes. Oracle. Yes. Yeah, and and they just play four copies of that because that's mm-hmm. still a two two for two that mm-hmm. also like has a re- somewhat relevant scry ability that sometimes wins you the game even. Yep. And I kind of like I just love it when tribal decks are doing well because to me that's just one of the most enjoyable forms of of magic because. People say the games are always the same with Merfolk. Maybe that's somewhat true, but it's definitely not true with Goblins and, and Elves because it's you really got to pick your points where you want to go like more all-in on your card advantage or you just mm-hmm. want to hold back. And that's, that's to me, one of the most beautiful things in Magic in general, the dance between your aggressive approach that also has like a, a strong late game mm-hmm. and the control deck that's trying to balance things between spot removal and mass removal and you're trying to find the way and vile plays a huge part in that yep. and that's that's also why I've always been saying I, I really want to create a vile elves list at some point oh. because there's so much potential there to, yeah. to abuse vile it's just I'm not sure it's really going to be better than goblins because goblins can can actually influence the board whereas elves like the best you can do is like bounce a land or something I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, guys. Guess how much Shark Typhoon is. How much is Shark $2,000. I, really, I was thinking about picking up Shark Typhoon when it was a 50-cent card, but now they're 10 bucks a piece. Oh, Shark Typhoon is getting too popular. Oh, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I guess by the time the podcast releases, it's always gonna, already going to be like 30 because we are going to buy up. All yes, the yeah, we have to get them all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually in the process of adding them all to my shopping cart, every single one. Corner <laughs> <laughs> of the market on Shark Typhoons. Things you exactly. didn't expect to say half a year ago. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but, I mean, I would say overall I'm pretty happy with the meta. If, I, if, I, if you could uh, ban or unban any card in the format right now, what would what would you do, Julian? Oh, don't don't do that to me. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably like to a lot of people, it's not that big of a secret that I feel the best Magic format I have experienced was Magic was Legacy right after the release of Innistrad before we got anything of 
the stuff that happened afterwards. And that's less of a nostalgia thing. That's not like where I got into the format. I got into the format like five years before that. And now it's been eight years or nine years ever since. So it's really actually that's something in between. And if you ask me, I want to get rid of Grizzlebrand. I want to get rid of Astrolabe. I actually, I was going to name a couple of other cards, but I, I basically had a list, like, I guess that, that she had an, an, what's it called, Kill Bill. Like, I actually had a list of cards that needed to go, yeah. like, top. Your, uh, your hit list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Deathrite Shaman at some point, even though I love playing with it. Gitexian Probe. And, yeah, at this point, it's it's got to be Grizzlebrand, because that actually stifles quite a bit of... of gameplay that's well uh thank happen. you for coming on the podcast today is grizzleband even really like a player so can you explain to me a little bit about your 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 thoughts there because it seems to me like show and tell is not really like a, a force in the in the in the meta game so what is what is it about grizzlebrand specifically that you don't like I think it takes away a certain part of legacy that used to exist that was actually like super enjoyable and really interesting that was well, I've been calling it post-enabler play. And a lot of people, they they haven't even heard of that. But it used to be a thing that the opponent would get your show and tell off or their reanimate or something. And then the game was actually still contested. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't their favor for sure. But the game was still contested. And you could do stuff. And, and, and the, one of the most amazing things when, when Hivemind was a deck and they would show and tell Hivemind to play. And then they would, like, flood you with packs, uh, packs of negation and whatever they had. Mm-hmm. You could... With Maverick, for example, some, they, they would be like, oh, you're totally dead. And then end of turn, you actually flash in your Birds of Par- uh, your, your script ranger. Mm-hmm. And then you untap your Birds of Paradise twice. And you actually produce two red mana to pay for your Pact of the Titan and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's something that happened. And all of that is completely invalidated because it's so much worse than just doing anything Grizzlebrand related. Hmm. The argument that people bring against that, and they do have a point, I, I want to say, is, well, without Grizzlebrand, all of those decks wouldn't be playable in the first place because all the other decks have gotten so much better. But the point where I am is like, I'm really not sure that's true. And maybe that's true, but I'm I'm really not sure that's true. Hmm. But it's really only going to... Like, it would be something people would need to see. At the same time, people for the last, well, nine years, almost a decade, are so used to being... Well, these cheat-and-to-play strategies being very good. Mm-hmm. Like, off and on. Like, right now, for example, Show and Tell isn't, isn't really putting up sure. a lot of numbers outside of the green version. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Black Red Reanimate, for example, is always going to be because the floor of the deck is just so high. And yes. That's... I I want to go back to a format where small... That's basically what, what I'm actually looking for. A format where small incremental advantages matter more because my issue with Legacy for... Well, it sounds much worse than I actually mean it to be. But my issue with Legacy for the fast for the last eight years has been mm-hmm. that the the increments at which you get an advantage are getting bigger. So you're okay. like, okay, you're actually pretty close together. And then like one player is actually quite far ahead. Mm-hmm. And then it's super hard to even catch up. And I, I really feel like when the power level was a little bit slow lower, when but I always bring up Rock Swarmonk because Pancake Flipper is just like I love the card. <laughs> the, the yeah the 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 increments at which you would yes. gain an advantage. So the I guess the advantages were more granular, you would say. Yep. So that's something I want to go back to. So the and haymaker the haymakers have just gotten better in the format base is what you mean, like, like, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I can see that argument actually quite a bit. It makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, and maybe it, I mean at the core, it's not just about Grizzlebrand. Mm-hmm. That's that, should, that that would be unfair to the card for as much as I hate it. There's just like so much more that happened. But we we patched up quite a lot of that. We got rid of top, which made like countertop so insufferable. Yeah, we got rid of um, Gataxian probe, which took away uh, a, a really big aspect of the game, and we got away, we got rid of Deathrite Shaman. But now we have De- Astrolabe, which is somewhat like Deathrite Shaman, but at least it's not as good. Right, but it's still creates a meta game where these these beautiful decks like Death and Texas first and foremost are, are really not playable anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I've disliked the effect that um Astrolabe has had on some of the decks in the format. Um mainly that they can't play like actual beta basics. They have to play bad, you know, snow covered <laughs> lands now, which is just is just unfortunate. Um but I mean I, in spite of that, we've also seen like some pretty cool decks come up you know, we've seen ninjas kind of make a push in, in Magic Online. Like, it's cool to see goblins come back. Like, I, I, I don't mind seeing Eldrazi Stompy making making an appearance once in a while. So, I think it's cool to see those those like like we talked about Estravile as well. It's cool to see those decks kind of make their way up into the into the top decks. It's pretty cool. But at the same time, yeah, I I agree. Like, I mean, I'm not like a Grizzlebrand apologist. I've I've been known to to show and tell <laughs> it at one, them once or twice, but. Um, I can I can completely understand what you mean by like, and I've I've heard that that argument before, where where like, Grizzlebrand is just such a dumb card, like a dumb card, and uh, yeah, it's it's especially difficult to make that argument when the deck is not that great. But I I understand when you're where you're coming from for sure. Yeah, the thing is um, that a lot of the cards I want to see gone from the format, they are not burnworthy power level wise in the context of the current format mm-hmm. so if i if i said for example like you bring up right grizzlebrand is not the card that's really putting up all those numbers right now mm-hmm. so i can't really go ahead and say like hey grizzlebrand is fucking things up right now right i just <laughs> i have this this general feeling that the power level is up here and you mm-hmm. can see that like if you're listening to this i got my hands raised <laughs> high up. his hands head. are high and, high yep, yep. yeah and i want the power level to really just cool down mm-hmm. quite a bit mm-hmm. and people like for people to do more awesome stuff again and have more vigor room to come back. And for example, for example, like one of the cards, Dreadhought Arcanist right now, it's, I, I think Dreadhought Arcanist is the single most defining card in the format outside of maybe Wasteland Days, Farcifer or something like that. Yeah. Those really big cornerstones that tell yep. you that, that basically make legacy. When I build a deck, like, Dreadhought, like being able to answer Dreadhought Arcanist is the first and foremost thing I want to do right now. And, like I said, in the context of the format, as it is right now, I guess that's barely fine. But I don't want to be in a format where if you untap with your two drop, and I didn't answer it, I'm I'm maybe not even winning the game anymore. Right, it, it's right. just like too much advantage for me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I I've played uh, quite a few games of Dreadheart Arcanist, and like the card just feels stupid when it, when it when it goes off, it feels stupid. When it doesn't, when you're not able to get anything going, and it just ends up being just a dud. It feels really bad, you know. Like I feel like the floor on Dreadhorde is can be very low, um, but most of the time, yeah, the ceiling on it is just like I said, being able to hold off an Uro for multiple turns just because you have a Dreadhorde and you luck into like two of your three sideboarded Pyroblasts feels like you know it feels like cheating almost. You know what I mean? Like you're basically getting four Pyroblast effects for the cost of two. Yeah, and also the, the tempo advantage is not to be underestimated. Like mm-hmm. you you play the card for free, mm-hmm. like. 
I, I, I hate when people are like, oh, actually, we can fix the card by doing this or by doing that. Like when people try to create a playable death or, or like a more fairer death by chairman. Like yep. this is not the world we live in. This is not right. something the wizards will ever do. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I don't even want to go there. Oh, that, yeah. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot stand that when people are like, oh, we have, we're just going to adjust the text in this card. It's like, well, that's nothing that they've ever done. So why are we even having this conversation? It just it feels like a yeah. complete waste of time to me. Like it's, it's, that's, you know. The wizard's ban hammer is 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 just is exactly that. It's a hammer, they, and these cards are nails. And sometimes they, they get knocked knocked down, and that's yeah. It's they don't they don't uh they don't go and uh, nerf cards like it's not it's not a Hearthstone. That's not how it works. Yeah, something I think that's actually a big effect because I know that a lot of people that I speak to are somewhat frustrated with the format, even though there's like not this one big thing that's that's fucking things up, mm-hmm. which maybe actually would be make it easier to cope i guess oh 100 yeah okay just yeah. yeah but um i totally forgot what i wanted to say but well you were saying I that like there's not one thing that's that's it that's an issue in the format which like when there's one thing that's got a target on its back it's easy to to rail against it right but when it's like when it's a general when it's a general like you know movement that's happening in the format that's when it's hard you know yeah so i just remember where i was yeah. going is like Something that's not to be underestimated is right now Legacy really only exists on Magic Online, which mm-hmm. is like the most cutthroat place you can play Magic Online. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly frustrating, and there's there's little room for beauty on Magic Online. I guess quote me on that if you want. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whereas if you play in paper with your friends at your local card server, it really doesn't matter all that much. Uh-huh. It's it's very different. It's things are not dialed up to eleven. You you can get away with stuff. Yep. Whereas especially if you play a challenge, it's it's basically day two of a GP. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of hard in its own sense. So yep. I think things are maybe going to become more enjoyable and less tense once we start having all those tournaments again. And I'm really looking forward to those. Like, yeah. like I actually declined to go mm-hmm. to my local tournament now, but I-, I will start going there again. That's awesome. You mean my, my Archfiend vessel deck has a place? <laughs> oh, it's got the place, dude. Jerry, the, you better buy your foil copies right now because I, I can see those being files, like sold out pretty soon. So, so now I have to ask you, Julian, do you have elves built again in paper? Because I know you did at one point and then you... You you sold it off and have have you rebuilt it now on paper? No, I actually have never built in paper right oh, now because okay. I, I I I used to have elves all foil, uh-huh. but then I sold it because my sister got married five years ago and I wanted to give her like a lot of money for her wedding, so I, I like I turned the foil cop, uh, the foil elves into regular elves mm-hmm. and used the money for that. And then 2000, I don't even remember when it was like 2018. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna focus on other stuff in my life. I, I'm. I feel I've somewhat proven it to myself that I can do okay-ish at these tournaments. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to focus more on content creation and stuff. And at the same time, I moved to a different apartment because my older apartment like, was basically cancelled. And I had to pay so much more money for rent. And then like student loans kicked it. But like, who am I to compare? Like, What I'm paying back in student loans is probably like not like more than 5% <laughs> of what Americans are paying. But it's, it's still like, it all kicked in at the same time. Yep, I was like, yep. okay, since I'm not going to commit that much to paper anymore, and I want to do more content online, I'm, I'm going to sell this deck. And then I get a, um, well, I guess Snapcast is not around anymore, or Mage Market. <laughs> <laughs> so I get a sponsor- sponsorship from them, and that basically rebuilt me Maverick, uh, because I really, like, for those people who only knew, know me as the, the Elves guy, yeah. I love Maverick just as much. Green, white, straight up Maverick. That's just my jam, and awesome. that's what I got built in paper right now. Nice. Okay, maybe that's the story I remember that because I, I thought I remember you talking about rebuilding a, a legacy deck. I, I just I remembered it as being elves, but being Maverick makes a lot of sense too. That's awesome. It's an amazing <laughs> deck. 
Actually, I finally got my first GP cash with it. Like I, I cashed and did well at so many like European tournaments, but like none of the official Wizards, whatever, yep. your summer tournament. But then Bologna, right before COVID hit, I, I, I snagged. Like actually, I went to China and then I went Bologna to Bologna, which were like mm-hmm. like a month after. Those were like the big Corona hotspots. So maybe you brought it over, Julian. Jeez, <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. Julian's patient zero. Patient zero. <laughs> didn't even notice like oh my god oh that all makes sense now we have, in, have it in Kenya oh that's my what god. it is dude it's-, <laughs> it's all Julian's fault he did it I invented it <laughs> there's gonna be an update to COVID-20 soon like uh, I'm working on it <laughs> the upgraded version nice uh, it's pronounced COVID 2.0 <laughs> <laughs> service pack 2 <laughs> uh, no like I'm I guess, I don't know how you guys are, but this whole quarantine thing, um, not to derail things too much, the last six, uh, let's say five or four months, have been some of the best in my entire life. Uh, really? Cherry and I were already talking about this for, for a little bit, but ever since like COVID hit and we do like home office and stuff, I'm, I'm really only working like two, two and a half hours a day mm-hmm. and get paid almost exactly the same. And it's just... Wow. That's awesome. You, you got so much more time for, for like cooking. I actually became a fucking handyman. Can I say fucking on this podcast? Of course. Podcast? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, became- <laughs> I mean, you have been, but you absolutely have our permission as well. <laughs> awesome. I actually became kind of like a handyman. Like I got a real toolbox of like 160 pieces yep. and I'm doing like so many re- renovations around my room and my bike and everything. I haven't touched my car yet because that's a little bit too hot for me. But just like focusing on so much other stuff, focusing more on content creation and, and the, it's... I, I, it feels so bad because, like, the context is, of course, a global sure, pandemic. Sure, yeah, yeah. But this has given me so much. Well, I mean, you can only really so you can only experience things through your own self. So, like, whether you experience them as being an upgrade or a downgrade, like, it's completely dependent upon who you are as a person and what part of life you're in. You know, for me, like, my work schedule hasn't changed. Like, I, I still have to go to work. I work the same hours I was before the for the before COVID hit. Like, except you know, for the last like couple months, we were homeschooling our kids, which was like a living nightmare. So for me, it hasn't been it hasn't been an upgrade, but like I also can't say you know poo poo people who are like oh it's actually been good for me like it's led led to person like for my brother like they him and his wife have been able to work from home which is awesome like they've been able to spend more time with their kids and it's it's fantastic you know so I don't I don't uh, I don't fault people for finding a room for personal growth in a time like this I think it's I think it's fantastic I wonder what things are gonna be like once we go somewhat back to normal <sighs> because at least in Germany there's this huge push for people to be like okay you know what this home office thing is actually gonna work out yes, really well yes and those reduced hours are actually also somewhat working out so maybe we can some keep some of that around I mean I can't yeah. see I was talk, talking to my brother about that and I don't see any reason why and he, neither does he that he has to go back to the office like there's no reason for him to commute 40 minutes to work each way when He's able to do all of his fun- all of his functions at home, not have what? to commute, and do it in a fraction of the time he was before. He shouldn't. They, they should pay him the same amount, in my opinion. Like they're saving money on office space that they'd have in a major city in, in Rhode Island. They're saving money on insurance they'd have to carry for people to come into their office building. Like it's a crazy amount of savings they get yeah. to have. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I I do I do hope that that's something that sticks around. You know, this 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 remote working has been great for traffic patterns and stuff too. It's been awesome. It's a a total upgrade. I think my work is is pretty much said that we're we're gonna stick with the home office because like once you give something to people, it is very difficult to then turn around and take it away yeah, from them. Yeah, especially I mean, when they see that like, we, oh, this just works. Right, <laughs> like, and we've had. I was actually reading something recent, or maybe I was listening to a podcast, but it, we've had the ability to do the home office thing, do the telecommuting thing for many years now. But 
people were always very resistant to it because you know boomers don't like don't like technology so and they make all the decisions right but like but but in 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 truth like we've had the ability to do this but this has been the push to start telecommuting and like it's i think people have realized like oh wow like i get the same product like you don't need someone to micromanage your, your workers like they'll they'll go and do what they're supposed to do you That's know what, what I mean? it comes down to. It's it's a trust issue. Yeah. Like, companies have never trusted their employees before. Yeah. And, and employees they're... don't ever trust your companies. Just FYI. Yeah. FYI, every they... every every employee <laughs> should seek to unionize and and, yeah. and rip rip power away from the company you work for. But yes, go on, Jerry. Your your employer doesn't trust you, so don't trust them. I completely <laughs> but, uh... agree. I, I, I love the socialist communist part, like on previous episodes. I always loved it when that part of you came out because those were like the most interesting topics, man. Workers I, of the I, world I, unite. I, I very much believe in the in, in in the benefits of unions, but I also believe that capitalism is a good thing too. So, I, you know, I think they both can coexist, and there it, there needs to be a check and balance. And like a full a fully capitalist society without without unions is never good for the workers. And it, a fully. It's actually very libertarian. Trust no one. I mean, like that's, that's the libertarian. <laughs> Listen, motto. man, I grew up in the X Files, bro. So yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> the truth is out do there. If you guys ever and... want to do like an economic and political philosophy podcast, I'm, I'm definitely happy to come. Uh, let's do that's it. Actually, that's actually what I studied. I gotta make use of that <laughs> at some point. We gotta get the dead format guys we, on too. It, we it, have gets, t- it gets spicy. Oh, that episode. We <laughs> get spicy. <laughs> we have talked about. That's like your rival podcast from Boston as well. Yeah, well, right? yeah, yeah. I'm fighting supremacy over the city. <laughs> I mean, let's not be honest. They were never really a contender, but <laughs> we uh, we've we've talked about doing a political podcast so many times in our in our IDW chat, and like it, I, I think it would go, you know, because I I would I would like to speak my mind fully, and I think we have other people who would like to do it too. And I think most of us would end up getting canceled, so it probably probably wouldn't be great, but uh, it would be a lot would of you fun. You get canceled in in in, in like. 2020 America. If you spoke spoke up for like unions and socialist reforms, you guys call that socialism, by the way. I, let's not get into yeah, that. Like, like what Americans call socialism actually social democracy right. because socialism. You you guys have heard of East Germany, like <laughs> that, that fucked up part. Like not not the current East Germany, but the the, the former yes. like German Democratic Republic. That's socialism. Right. That's like really fucked up. Like what do you have in West Germany? That's social democracy. It's so different. But in America, like it's all the we're, same. We're not. Like, we're, oh, Americans are not good at good at uh, understanding. We don't want people po- yeah. to die in the streets. Well, oh my god! It's, it's because it's because if you ask the majority of Americans, they can't tell the difference between socialism, communism, and fascism. To them, they oh think my it's god, all the same. yes, like yes. they honestly just can't tell the difference. All of them failed social studies in eighth grade. It's awful. Yeah, all all of them. And the thing is, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even fault those people. Like if it's never taught to you, and you only have like these crazy televangelists or whatever they tell you everything is communism unless you give me your money or something then if that's what you grow up with that that's just like what you have so it's more like a structure if you like it you can try to educate people but it's like if you believe something for decades it's going to be so uncomfortable trying to change that so it's it it almost feel like i feel like 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 socrates because actually no but Oh, this is going to be, but basically he says like oh we gotta like raise people the right way and that's one of the reasonable critics critiques of him because that's already going too too far down the left line i want to say but in general i think you you're not going to change the boomers but you can change the new generation going up and i think that's something that's actually somewhat happening in the u.s i don't think that like future generations will grow up and be fine having to like work at burger king Mm -hmm. for like 40 hours a day for minimum wage and no vocation i don't think people are going to be fine Mm -hmm. with that in the future yep i agree i agree 
There, that reminds me. Wilson always loves coming up for the uh, the leg- leaving a legacy events because. Dude, you have no idea. I can't say anything about that. But when I was like in China <laughs> with Wilson and James and the conversations we had there, that was that was mind blowing. That was eye opening. That was like in, in the sense that like, man, I, I want to do that again. Oh now. yeah, oh, I've actually, uh, Wilson. If you hear this, we should really like go to our tournament. I I, I like Wilson a lot. He is a very very intelligent guy. He's great to talk to. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's awesome. How much should he pay you? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, love I just love I just love pushing pushing Wilson's buttons. Basically, whenever I'm bored, I just like drop hand grenades in the chat that we all have <laughs> yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. Did, did, did I tell you the story of how how Wilson actually ripped off that poor Chinese woman? No, at the Great Wall. How did tell tell us the scumbag story about Wilson? <laughs> Okay, so we, we, we go to the Great Wall of China and we actually go to the less touristy ones. So there's actually not a lot of people there anyway. So these poor Chinese salesmen, they're not going to make a lot of money anyway. And there's, there's a messenger bag and it has, it has Obama on it. But Obama looks like the chairman. And <laughs> so it's, like, it's like a mashup like, between it's like communism chairman and capitalism. Mao Obama. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And as we go to the Great Wall, she notices, because she's really good at noticing stuff, I guess, that Wilson eyes that messenger bag. And he looks at it and she's like, yeah, this is like, I don't know, $30 or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 that's too much. That's too much. And then we go up the wall and we come down the wall and everything's no good. That's another story. <laughs> and then we come back like many hours later and she's still there. And she's like, Wilson, Wilson. <laughs> she still remembers him. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, $30, $30, $30. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not going to pay that. So, okay, how much are you going to pay? He's like, okay, I'm going to pay $10. She's like, no, 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 you got to pay 15 or 20 He's like, no, 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 I'm going to pay 10 She's like, ah, 15 15 come on. And then we just walk away. And she's like, okay, okay, it's going to be fine. It's going to be $10. And he's like, no, I don't want it. And she's like, Wilson, you're crazy. <laughs> Wilson! <laughs> And for like the rest of the day, we were wondering whether she actually like makes those for like or buys those for like one dollar. Oh, yeah. Anything she sells it for is basically profit oh, because it's such a cheap product, I guess. That is, so do you end up <laughs> buying it or no? No, he didn't. Oh. And to this day, she's like, Wilson, you're crazy. Like, I just, I just agreed to your $10. deal. I know you want to go low. That's clearly no, worth no. $10. That's great. That is the American way to like negotiate down to something and then be like, nah, don't nah. want it. Don't want it anymore. Yeah. It's less special because you gave in to me. <laughs> He's, I would have bought it if I you held. That, I would have bought it if you held uh, for, held firm at twenty dollars, but yeah. because you went to ten, I don't. <laughs> yes. I don't yeah. want it. You yeah. are weak. Yeah. Who wants a ten dollar bag? You're not a good salesman. You can't be that good. You're selling it for ten dollars. Yeah. I wanna. I wanna believe that he was actually setting her up for the next time he comes, and then he's gonna get it for like five dollars. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> I take it from that little impressed noise that you are interested in purchasing that matter transporter, sir. Um, two bucks, and it only transports matter. Uh, well, uh, I'll give you thirty-five cents. Uh, so, <laughs> so when Wilson when Wilson came over, I uh, I prepped it. He was staying at my apartment. And uh, so I gave him my address. He came in and he texts me that he's he's here. So I like unlocked the door and then I just like hit play on a video I had queued up, which was uh, the Communist Manifesto books on tape. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, Wilson, hello. Welcome to my house. And it's just like the Communist Manifesto playing like smooth jazz in my apartment. That's amazing. <laughs> Oh man! Did you sign him up to like the Communist Party? Of you must have a Communist Party of America, right? There must be some. some oh, I'm America. sure there is. I'm sure there is. That's awesome. 
Maybe matter. I'm going to sign up for that. The lesson everyone should take away is that uh, Wilson is actually a communist. Everyone listening, this is this is the lesson <laughs> you should take away. He's been radicalized by Jerry and the uh, and the left. Yep, I can I convinced him. <laughs> yeah, the CBL is actually just like a front for the global revolution. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's great. I guess, I mean, you guys are laughing now, but... Yeah, I know, yeah. We're laughing We're laughing because we're uh, we're afraid. We're in fear for our lives. <laughs> it's it's nervous laughter. It is, yes, yes. Have you have you picked your communist? Your, your, you, you know, like, if you want to go into the revolution, you got to pick your name. Your, your, your nom de guerre. Oh, or something, yeah, that's your true. Name. Oh, yeah, mine's, mine's Bone Crusher. Bone Crusher? <laughs> <laughs> I just I woke up on the neighbor's property. <laughs> That's so deep, Jerry. You, like you, you got like a Nestor Che Guevara and stuff, and, and then that's bone, bone crusher. crusher. Jerry, <laughs> so, Stalin, Lenin, and so, bone so I'm the guy in Mad Max. I'm the guy in Mad Max playing guitar. Jerry's the one driving the truck. I'm strapped to. <laughs> <laughs> that's bone crusher. Oh, and become full full circle to our tractor podcast. <laughs> tractor cast 2020. Tractor cast. <laughs> um. My dad just bought one, and he's so happy about it. He, he was looking for a new tractor for so long. What kind of tractor is it? Uh, it's from the 1950s. Oh, that's awesome! And I like I, I don't know the name, but it's it's like all original parts. And now he's driving around town with it. <laughs> he's having. A is great it American? Time. Is it American made or is it German made or? No, no, it's a, it's a German oh, made. Oh, okay. It's, I think a de- dense lens, something oh. like that. I was gonna say, is it a Mercedes? A Mercedes tractor? <laughs> Did you know that Lamborghini actually used, or I guess still makes tractors? Really. Really? Yeah, yeah. Chumbo- Lamborghini is like known as a tractor company. Oh, hey girl. And they also do like sports cars. Hey girl, oh. you want to take a ride in my Lambo and then just like pull it's a tractor? A tractor. <laughs> get get in the dump. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man, guys, you really gotta come over to to Europe at some point once you're yeah, once, back when, once, once you guys let us in. <laughs> yeah, once you stop yeah. blacklisting all Americans, that'd be great. Like I said, maybe you can pretend to be Canadians or, or something yeah. like that. It's, it's kind of funny, but yeah. Or maybe we meet in Kenya. Like once our hotel reopens, you, you have you guys ever been on a safari? No, I no. have not. I have not. Well, how I've, have you guys never been on a safari? I've been to, like you know the guy for Kenya, and I can hook you up with any kind of animal you want. Wait to hunt? You, you're sitting there. In, no, Pat. Oh, that that that's no. I, I've had a guy from Saudi Arabia come in and at the bird, uh, bird tourism uh, thingy yep. in in uh, London, and he was like, "Okay, I wanna I wanna hunt lion." I'm like, yeah, sure, everybody wants. Yeah, and he was like so insistent. He wanted to give me money and stuff. Like, I I can pay, I can pay. Like, yeah, yeah. sure, it was, doesn't matter. Like, that's, you cannot hunt the that's lion. That's not what you guys do. Yeah. So so how do you feel about yeah. so? All right, this is an interesting question because since you're you're in into um into uh, uh, safaris, do you consider yourself like a conservationist, like an animal conservationist? Like I'm, I can't say it with regards to like me actively going out and and contributing to mm-hmm. that, but like ideologically, ideologically, very very much. Yeah. Okay, because uh, so that, that's interesting. I don't want to. I mean, we don't have to get into it now, but I've always found that um of a very uh, strong um argument for hunting like exotic animals like that was that because they charge such extreme amounts to, it's not like you pay like fifty dollars and like you're able to go take down a lion you have to pay like tens of thousands of dollars yeah. to hunt those animals 20, and, 20 to 50 yeah 000, but yeah. but then what happens is that money ends up going back into protecting other animals that are in in like that area so it ends up kind of being like one of those things where yes you're like some animals get hunted and killed but it ends up like generating quite a bit of money that these countries yeah. otherwise couldn't do to protect the animals so it's it's just very, very interesting to me because i think hunters and again like i'm not picking a side but just kind of looking at it objectively 
they kind of get vilified for hunting, you know, trophy animals like that when when really like the money that they're spending goes to protecting far more animals than they would ever ever hunt, right? Mm-hmm. I know what you mean that they do that in southern Africa, mm. like Botswana, Namibia, and the thing is, like, I have reservations against mm. that for a couple of reasons. Like, one of them is I think that like I know how Kenya works and how like anything nature related in Kenya mm. works. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was somewhat similar in Botswana or Namibia that a lot of money is just ending up in pockets where it's not supposed totally, to yes. be. Totally, yes, yeah, and. In the grand scheme of things, those couple K you drop on, on hunting those, because it's not that common, is it's really just not that big of a deal in, in the overall mm. budget of, of those. Um, well, we, in Kenya, we have the Kenyan Wildlife Service. Mm-hmm. And oh, actually, a third thing as well, and that's actually really fucked. That's the most fucked up part is we have companies in, I think, especially South Africa, where they, they grow lions just to shoot them. Wow. And on top of that, they actually get volunteers, usually from Europe, who come in, who actually actively pay to like nurture baby mm-hmm. lions, and they are telling them, "Oh, they're like we picked those up, and their parents were shot in the wild, and oh, it's so bad." We're actually, oh, the parents were actually like shot on purpose. Yeah. They were actually sold in a private reservation, and then you pay money to raise those lions to be shot mm-hmm. again, and that's something I'm very much against. And I really, really like like you can talk about all the corruption in, in Kenya that you mm-hmm. want, and it, it is an issue. But overall, like when it comes to hunting animals, Kenya is pretty strict about yeah. that kind of shit. So you can't even eat the game animals in, in restaurants. That's even illegal because people used to do mm-hmm. that. So they were like, oh, this zebra was actually raised in a private enclosure mm-hmm. when actually it was hunted in like Southwest or. Yeah, they like, lie about the lineage of. Yeah, the, the, the chain of custody yeah. isn't exactly uh, clean on those animals. Uh, Julian, you want, yeah, you yeah. want to know my point of view that, about all this, which should give you a good idea of my worldview? I, uh-huh. I I think we should uh, sell poaching licenses, which give people the ability to hunt the poachers. I think it's the the uh, best yeah. of both worlds. Best of both worlds. You got hunters who get to get their hunting fix, and they go out there <laughs> and they fix the poaching issues. Ah uh, yes, ah uh, yes, the world's most dangerous game. Exactly, <laughs> the most dangerous game. Poaching licenses where you get to go out and hunt the poachers. That's- so I've actually heard, and this this is anecdotal, and then we can move on after this. I heard a story that, um, and again, this is this is completely like third hand, so I don't, I can't, you know, attest the veracity of it. I think I know which story it's gonna but be. The, but there was a there was a guy who went out and and spoke to people who were like gamekeepers for for these animals, and then uh, the country ended up outlawing the hunting of these animals. So all the funding that these guys were being paid went away and then the next time the guy went out to the to this place he found those same guys who were game wardens were now actually poachers and because they they lost their jobs because there was no one paying paying for their for their salaries they ended up poaching the animals themselves so it's it's again like i i agree with you julian like unfortunately because there's so much corruption in a lot of states over there or a lot of countries over there it's hard to you know fully fully know where the money's going to and and you hope that it's being done in the best way, but there's really no guarantee, right? That's the kind of, that's kind of like the messy thing about it. And like, I think I think hunters in general, in general, I'd say overall they want they are conservationists at heart. Like I know I like to fish. And I've never been hunting, but I, I would if I had like a you know had the background to do it. Um, but I also I also believe that like in in um, you know protecting our wildlife, protecting our fisheries. I think it's incredibly important. So, um, and it yeah, yeah. I, I guess the the thing is. Like if you if you want to do like hunting for I guess sustenance or whatever mm. you want to call that, that's different from hunting so you can sell a rhino horn to totally, China and yes. then people can get yep. off on that. Uh, 
the, 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 the issue is like at which level do you actually tackle right. it? Do you tackle it like at, at the game wardens who become unemployed and then become mm-hmm. poachers? Or do you go even further and you try to fix the entire con- economy yes. of the country or even like the global economy? Right. That's also something yeah, we can... were talking about to, to um, the German embassy and stuff when we were trying to figure out something for Kenya as we were struggling for the hotel because it's a really bad look if a German investor like loses the hotel and the German embassy doesn't intervene. So we were trying to, to like appeal to them and be like, hey, we talk about like refugee crisis and stuff like that and we want to prevent that that kind of prevention actually takes place in in our case kenya or any kind of other like country where people would be coming Mm -hmm. from and if you can enable it so that people can have a decent life in their country then there's less reason for them to actually flee their country and come to europe in the first place because people are like okay we're we're actually going to challenge this issue in the mediterranean sea it's like okay they're going to stop them from Mm -hmm. coming that's like level one but like level two three four and five are like much yes. deeper where you, you you challenge the issue in the country it's, itself. It's, and, it, and that's somewhat unpopular and uncomfortable because like it usually involves giving money to the country which is never really that mm-hmm. popular with citizens of another country but it's more about how efficiently the money is used yeah. and that's that's the that's the hard thing too right like it's it you can tackle systemic issues and you can go all from level zero to like the most broad kind of solutions you can think of and they all have their merits but like it's i think it's difficult to say what is more effective you know one is more effective than the other unless like they're i mean they do like real studies and to to see how like how best to spend like dollar you know tax money or, or whatever like these these funds and um i've actually read some really interesting studies on the best way to like spend in, in, in america at least but the best way to spend money like for education and stuff has been pretty eye-opening like what is considered like the most effective like you know return on investment when it comes to like educating people and stuff and uh yeah i think it's a, a similar thing uh when it comes to conservation but i, I, I was mm-hmm. i was curious because I, I wanted to pick your brain about that because i know you obviously are very involved in like in safariing in, in africa so it's interesting to hear kind of your take on that situation yeah and if you want to come, you definitely I want to. Yeah, I would love to take my wife and, and kids to go do that. I think it'd be a, a ton of fun. Great migration, Masamara, between July and the beginning of October. It's, it's considered one of the seven natural wonders of really? the world, and it is for a reason. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm going to have to hit you up Pat, for that. We're going to send you to Mara Bush Camp. Shout out to those guys. Pat, Pat you're <laughs> taking me if you go. Okay, you can come, Jerry. You can be our, you can be our, our houseboy. You can, carry our, you can carry our bags. I'll do that for a free trip to Africa. <laughs> I'll carry your bags wherever you want. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, we're getting... You've actually t- talking about doing a, a, a magic safari before all of this COVID thing hit. Because if you... Basically, if you t- if you bring me 10 people, then you are going to be free. Oh. Like, you bring me 10 people, you're going to stay for free. Oh, shit. Safari, anything. All right. Any... But the flight, you still have to cover yourself. Yeah. But the rest... Any 10 awesome. listeners want to be my party, just hit me up. <laughs> And Jerry will entertain you in, in, incessantly. Even yeah. if you ask him to stop, he'll continue to entertain you. You'll get free access to our OnlyFans page. <laughs> we'll toss oh. that in. Isn't that limited to just like 10 people? It's oh, well yeah. worth it. Well worth it. <laughs> the value right there. All right. Well, we went we went super long tonight, Jerry. And we didn't talk about as much about elves as I, as I thought we would, but... Um, eh, we talked enough. Yeah, we did enough we elves. About, we did about. <laughs> Julian, it was great to have you. Deck is in a good spot. Yes, yeah. It was good to have you on, man. It was good to talk. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. I love this kind of like free flow <laughs> oh, and best. stuff. It's the best. It's a, it's a nice. It must be a nice break from everyday eternal, where you guys are actually very focused on legacy and you're very well researched and you have things prepared and. Uh, yeah, this is very well researched. Yeah, we we try to pretend that like we have these Google show notes to go for on for like five or six mm-hmm. pages. 
But yeah, that's that's all. Wait, believe. Google. Just... Wait, Google. Google Docs goes more than a page. Jerry, we've been doing it wrong for years. Yeah, <laughs> I think our I think our show notes have gone more than one page like once in our three hundred episode career. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Usually the history of you guys have over three hundred episodes. Yeah, uh, next, next, yep, next week episode is, is next episode is three hundred episodes. It's crazy. And you you invited me to like to, well, to the two thousand. This is this is yeah. This is two hundred and ninety nine, <laughs> Julian. That's right. Two hundred and ninety nine. Uh, okay, I'm gonna be there for five hundred. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> when the global revolution has succeeded and Pat is in power, Thanks. Emperor Pat, Emperor Pat, <laughs> and Jerry, Jerry is Jerry will boy. be my pool boy. He'll be my pool. <laughs> yeah. He'll be demoted to pool boy then. <laughs> yes, promotion. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I said demoted, but okay. Well, <laughs> is, is pool boy below house boy? I think so, because you're not even in the house anymore. You have to be in the pool. Yeah, but I got my own pool house. <laughs> oh, that's true. But you have to wear a speedo because that is the that is the uh, required. That is the yeah, rule. Yeah, that's the rule. <laughs> oh my god. I have no idea like how American laws and society works. Yeah, it's, it's like, actually every time in I think the I understood it, I don't. Yeah, it's the it's the eighteenth yeah. amendment is that you have poor boys have to wear a speedo. Like nobody knows actually like anything beyond the, the second amendment. And I guess the first yeah, actually, is the one I actually I need to look up what the eighteenth amendment is to see how it's Yeah, I think you might have just was. fucked up women's suffrage, Jerry. <laughs> I think that's actually something about the president. Actually let me Actually that might be the sixteenth. That might be the sixteenth. That's terrible. Oh, the eighteenth amendment. Yeah, no, I'm okay with this. The eighteenth amendment was the one that uh, was repealed for prohibition. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a good one. So, uh. so yeah. So after they repealed prohibition, they changed the eighteenth amendment to pool boys have to wear a speedo. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing says decadence like like <laughs> amendments that have only to do with pool boys attire. <laughs> yeah, you know your country is on the right track when it has an entire amendment to its constitution. Awesome. <laughs> to All deal right. with pool Dude, boys. Why we speak about that? We should have an entire episode dedicated to civil law versus common law and how different those are. It's like, God. Aren't, aren't you a lawyer, Cherry? You should know that. No, fi- finance, not law. <laughs> finance, finance we try and get teacher. away with everything. Like, I have no idea what you actually do. <laughs> Jerry's one of those guys who makes money from other people making money. It's, 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 exactly. it's, a crime against, it's a crime against democracy, honestly. Yeah, you know pyramid schemes? I'm the top. Yeah. <laughs> oh, teach, Jerry, teach me Jerry is the mortar that holds the pyramid blocks together, honestly. Uh, Fun story. One of my students actually tried to recruit me into a pyramid scheme last week. So you, so one of your failing students, I hope. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like, you should do this. This is great. Oh, was it blah, like, blah, blah, was blah. it some like health food supplement or what was it? No, it was it was a finance pyramid scheme. Like, it's oh, definitely Jesus. illegal. It's definitely illegal. Oh boy! <laughs> Did you tell him that? Hey, oh, you don't understand. It's multi-level marketing. It's totally different. Yeah. Like whenever oh, your, exactly. Your whatever company has a dedicated page that says why we are not a pyramid scheme, it is a pyramid scheme. One hundred percent. Like, I, they told me the company. I googled the I googled the company name, and literally the first result is is XYZ company a pyramid scheme? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like just oh, you man. Google the company's name and that's the first result. You know, you got a winner. <laughs> that's fantastic. Fantastic. Awesome. All right. Well, th- th- thank you again for coming on, man. It was great to talk to you, Julian. Hell yeah. Hey, awesome, some- Have a great time. Anytime. Yes, if someone wants to watch your stream, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on twitch.com. No, that's actually wrong. <laughs> okay, man, it's too late in the evening. They can find me on twitch.tv slash itstudian, and they can find me on twitter.com slash itstudian23, and they can also just go to itstudian.com or send me a postcard yeah. or something. So, yeah, I'm... I'm <laughs> every every day eternally, you're on that every week as well, or every other week, right? Every, every other week, week pretty much, awesome. yeah. We, we grade it down from every day, John. <laughs> <laughs> Bi-weekly eternal. We love it. 
<laughs> awesome. Bi-weekly tournament. I, I, I'm not sure the like, name is going to stick, but I'm, gonna, I'm gonna run <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, run up the flagpole. See, see if it works. You can have that one. That's for free. That's free. <laughs> Thank you so awesome. much, man. All right, Jerry. Thanks for hanging out this week, buddy. Are we doing poops and scoops or no? Uh, no. All right. <laughs> what about just? What about Justin? Yeah, Justin's cool. Thanks, Justin. All right. Cool. He's our editor. No fun of facts about Justin. I was going to say shout out to Justin, but I don't even know who Justin is. But Justin, yeah, he edits our podcast. Justin he actually, uh, he actually fixed my car for me yeah. last week too, though, which is nice of him. So you used that last week, Pat. You can't. You no, can't it, it broke again. I broke it again. He fixed it again. Oh, that's that's the best repair. I mean, it like it breaks down every week after he yes. repairs it. It's like yeah, yeah other things break. Though. It. It's an American-made car. Talk right. about pyramids. My schemes. fun fact about Justin this week is Justin was actually the lead uh, designer on the Lamborghini Tractor. He he designed it. Did he put? Did, was it his decision to put the racing stripes on there, or was that someone else? He wanted a, He actually wanted more racing stripes, and oh. they talked him down. They talked him down to only a single. It racing ended up being stripe. just like checkered. <laughs> yeah. only racing stripes. <laughs> it was like a zebra tractor, basically. Dude, our safari bus looks like a zebra. When I'm, whenever I'm on the autobahn, everybody looks at me, and I don't get it. And they're like, "Oh yeah, I drive a zebra." Actually, wait. So, do you actually drive the safari from Germany to Kenya? No, we but we have a big safari bus in Germany that we use for marketing events all around oh, Europe. So I was like gonna say, Prague, like that's, that's, a, that's a hell of a that's a hell of a safari if you go from like Munich to Kenya. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't get me started. Like I, I do marketing events and I invite local travel agencies. I'm like, okay, you just come over here and I'm gonna tell you about Kenya and then you're gonna get free amazing food. And one of those companies that actually showed up because we sent out like a newsletter. They were like doing bus tours and like when they signed up, I actually called them. I was like, you guys do bus tours from Munich to Kenya? And they're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) They signed up anyway. They just wanted the free food. Yeah, exactly. The food is amazing. Like when you're like tourism pays okay. It doesn't pay crazy unless you, I guess, run your own business. But you get to go on like so many free events and stay at Safari Camps for free and do that kind of stuff. I think that's really like how they compensate Mm, for that. It's awesome. That is awesome. All right. Well, uh, that was episode 299. We got episode 300 coming up next week. Right, Jerry? Oh, yeah. That'll be a good time. Special plans. That'll be a good time. Take a little walk down memory lane. Yes. Another retrospective. We had one not that long ago, but we're going to do another one. Yeah. This one, we're we're having people send in their favorite memories. More navel gazing. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be more navel gazing. Tell us all the things you love about Jerry and me. Or the things you hate. Actually, it would be more fun if you tell us all the things you hate about Jerry and I. I kind of like that better. I, 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 like I, you, you say it's navel gazing. I'm pretty sure this is going to turn into a roast. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like this is probably just going to be a roast of Jerry and Pat next week. That sounds good. I really, we need to be taking down a few pegs. I think, I think like, you know, we should really get, the, get out of our head that we're a middling podcast. We are a, like... A bottom tier, like scum of the earth podcast. We need to get back Bo- down to that level. Bottom feeders. That's how you make yes, the money. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. When you- my favorite memory was when Lenin took the train from Switzerland back to St. Petersburg <laughs> and overthrew Russia, and then that was. That's that your was favorite that. podcast memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't you guys talk about that? Like every podcast talks that, about I that. Think. We covered that. Yeah, you covered the pre-wet. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, thanks, everyone, for hanging out this week. We're going to get you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.